Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Stephen Turner. Steve is president of Flow Business Solution. He has a proven 34-year leadership career with UPS and over 10 years as an entrepreneur. His dedication to the individual lives of his employees and the value they provided in his business groups yielded him success in every position he held. He demonstrated the value of leading employees as opposed to managing them. Systems, processes, and procedures should be managed. Employees should be led. Boy, ain't that the truth. Thank you so much for being here today, Steve. Pleasure. Pleasure for sure. So um, what do you feel like what is, is like the overall issue we're talking about today? There's um, the overall issue is... Uh, living a uh, business leadership life that has created a problem over, well, I'm, I think it's it's decades old, to be honest with you. There's a statistic that's produced by the, the uh, Gallup organization every year. They started the statistic in 1990, and that says this, that 85% of employees are not fully engaged in their work. Yeah. Now, that means that only 15% are, which is a sad statement, in my opinion. But the funny thing about this is that it has not changed. Virtually, it's only gone up and down a point ever since, which is an amazing situation because if this has been looked at for this long of time, how come the number never changes? Yeah. And uh, you can you can dig deep into why this situation exists right now, and you can also dig into why it's still the same. Um, we, I can comment either direction. Um, but one of the things that really, uh, is upfront to a CEO or a business owner is that the result of it is employee resignations. And given the cost of replacing employees, um, it's a whole lot better. There's better places to spend money than spending money replacing people you should never have lost in the first place. Right. Absolutely. And uh, so my whole my whole career has been uh, based on, with an objective, I should say, of treating people correctly so they don't want to leave. And there's lots of facets to that, but it's you know it's the bottom line. Basically, it's the golden rule. It you know, is. doing to others as you have them doing to you. Right. Um, I phrased it differently when I started. Um, I called it uh, treat others like I like to be treated. Same thing, though. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so, um, and I mentioned when I in your bio when I was introducing you that there's a difference between being managed and led. And, and I'm listening to you talk yeah. about this, and I'm thinking, it feels to me like that's been the problem 
all this time that we talk about leadership, but then in practice, what these leaders are doing is trying to manage people. And and that is potentially why 85% are disengaged. So talk some about the difference between being managed and being led. What what does that look like? Okay. Um, I can give you um, some quick quick uh, examples of the evidence of it. Great. Yeah. First of all, I'm going to kind of come at it from the employee perspective first. Okay. And because most, most people don't look at it from that side. Yeah. But let's, let's consider if I'm managing employees, bursting them, I am basically telling them what to do with virtually little consideration for them as individuals. So as a result of it, when employees are managed, what they're really doing, and I got this from somebody else. I didn't even come up with this description, but I heard it from somebody else. And I, I said, my God, that's exactly what it is. I said, can I use it? She says, sure, go, go ahead. So <laughs> so she, she explained it this way. She says, so you mean I'm obeying my manager, Ooh. but I follow my leader? <laughs> and that's exactly what it is. And the... Um, the challenging part about the fact of obeying a manager, that's not exactly inspirational. No. So now you take people that um, are doing their job, but they're almost doing it only because their job description says do this. And when people are in the obey mindset, they do not have the initiative, the desire, or the inspiration to go beyond what's in the description and they don't take on challenges like we would like employees to take on challenges when you lead people on the other hand the employees are inspired because you're treating them as an individual consequently they're willingly following you and they're not afraid to roll up their sleeves and do whatever it takes to get it done regardless of the challenges and those are two uh, dynamic situations right up front. Then you've got the spillover that comes afterwards. And when you're talking about being managed, this is where it ends up. And I could I I could talk about this from uh, a business starting the process of scaling and uh, the what tends to happen regardless of where you are in that cycle. And if you happen to be someone like I was when I was at UPS, and um, I moved seven times with UPS and had 20 different assignments, some were concurrent, but every single time I went into a new operation, that was day one for those employees under my umbrella. Okay, now the importance of that is this, let me get back to where I was. So if somebody is being is obeying instead of being being uh, inspired, they tend to fall back into stagnation. And when it gets to its worst situation, which happens often, unfortunately, is that people are then working for a paycheck or benefits, and that's their motivation. Yeah. Now the problem with that is that money is a short-term motivator. And it's a short-term motivator because every time someone changes jobs, this is a general statement, every, most times people change jobs or they get a pay increase 
It doesn't take very long before they adjust their lifestyle and they absorb the money. Consequently, in a relatively short time, when it comes to the need of money or the desire for money to get to a better place, the cycle starts over in about three months. Wow. So um, that's why when people are in it only for the paycheck, the motivation doesn't last very long. Right. As opposed to, yeah, as opposed to uh, being in it because you like the job and you're willing to do more. And so instead of having stagnant employees who are basically just surviving and the highlight of their day is punching out and going home, nothing wrong with going home. But you'd like to think that if I've spent eight to nine hours in a location doing my work, I'd like to enjoy being there. It would For be sure. a whole lot easier. So you get that when you're following a leader. So that when the time goes home, and this is a great a great thing for anybody to, to use as a yardstick, that if you are following your leader and if you are enjoying your job, it's always nice to go home. Nothing wrong with going home. But when you get home and you walk in the door, your significant other asks you a question. Question is, how was your day, dear? And you can give a good answer. If you can give a good answer, that means the rest of the night you're going to be focusing on family and friends stuff without digging the dragging the family through the ugliness of the day. It is just a whole lot more fun way to live. That's a really good point. I, I love the connection to this really impacts our entire life and those yeah. uh, around us. Um oh shoot, I I there was something that you said. And now it has totally left my head. It, it'll come back. Um, it'll come back. I know. Hopefully it comes back. Uh, so, oh, I know what it was. I, I, and this is what I hear from a lot of small business owners that they don't necessarily trust people to do the things they're supposed to do and do them well. And I feel like that's where a lot of this managing comes from. Do you find that as well? I could find that, except I don't find it because of the approach I use when I bring people on. Uh, oh, talk and, about that. Yeah. So let's let's go through the this life cycle of a business at in really high level. Okay. So a business gets started, right? Like. Um, Somebody, an owner decides they want to try to do something. Okay, they do. They get rocking and rolling and everything's good. They decide, well, it's time to add an employee. So we bring in an employee. The two work together and everything's rosy. Because that man, that business owner should be training that person to be able to do the work the business owner's doing. That's why he hired him. So there's a motivation to make sure that that training is good. Plus, the fact that they're probably working side by side with each other, there's a, a really clear understanding of each other as an individual, not just an employee. Okay, business grows, add a few more people. When you get to the point of having about maybe five or six additional people, uh, the business owner is going to start looking for one of those folks to oversee the operation. Mm -hmm. Because the business owner needs to back out of the day-to-day -day work and do the work that he or she is really supposed to be doing to support the business at that level. 
Right. So when that happens, a manager comes in, it's probably one of the people that are already there. And it's already a good relationship because that's how the whole thing got started. And during this time, the business owner is hiring people. So the business owner has got his baby. He's bringing somebody in and he wants that to be successful. And there's a bond between an owner and an employee. All right now, as time goes on and the business continues to grow, more managers are added. At some point in time, the owner is going to stop hiring. And one of the managers are going to take over. And there is the first break in the original bond that existed between an owner and their employees and what goes on from there. And the owner, if they're really sharp, will make sure that manager hires employees under the same mindset. That's not an easy thing to do unless you intentionally take it on. Yeah. Because by design, it won't happen. The manager is is a hired hand, hired manager, as opposed to being the owner. So they hire with a little different dynamic. It could still be good, but that ownership piece isn't there. Well, now, if you move forward and you're adding more people, et cetera, the original group of people that the owner hired now doesn't see the owner anymore or hardly ever. Hmm. Consequently, their fired up attitude that had them moving forward in the, the beginning starts to wane a little bit now because their connection to the owner isn't there. And to them, the owner was the business. So now the, the thing is the only person that's, that can is in a position to catch it is the owner themselves. Yeah. Because when the relationship between their originally hired group and the owner, you know, six months down the road or whatever, starts to uh, like um, get a little bit looser or a little weaker. The owner has the one that has to notice it. But all I'm saying is this: this is how a business that was all fired up when it got started, yeah, can digress into eighty-five percent of employees not fully engaged in the work. Right. And there's lots of other things that go along that, that as a business scales, uh, there's the leader has to make sure the management team. And once you get to about 50 people, you're going to have another layer of manager management in there. So you've got feet in the ground employees, the first level of managers, let's call them supervisors. Then another manager is going to come in to oversee those supervisors. But every time you add one of these layers, the distance between the owner, who could be a CEO now, and the people with the feet in the street is getting further and further apart. Right. Now, here's another dynamic. You didn't ask this question. I'm going to give it to you anyway. <laughs> okay. Yeah. As the business grows, we know that business owners, CEOs, whatever, um, are watching numbers. They have to. It reflects success or lack thereof. Right. But what tends to happen, and this is another place that, that so many businesses falter, particularly large ones, where you know the, the direction of the business comes from the top, like it usually does. It could bubble up from the bottom, but it still gets confirmed from the top. And down comes the, uh, the declaration, the goals of the year, the place we want to get to. So that comes down in a number format. 
And that number format gets handed down through all the layers of management. And when you're going from manager to manager to manager, you've got the connection because everybody understands the purpose of the number and where it's going. I think one of the hardest jobs in an organization is the frontline supervisor. Yeah, I do too. Because now, yeah, because now the number message comes down to the frontline supervisor and it's their responsibility to take that number message and convert it into an inspirational message to the folks that do the work on a day-to-day basis and inspire them to be successful. Right. And I can guarantee you that's never trained. Yes. It's, it's, it doesn't happen. No. And, um, you know, I have seen people get so stuck because, and I, 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 I have to admit that I had this happen to me, which this was my fault because I didn't, I missed something along the way, but I was at UPS and I'll just, this is a real example of this. So I got UPS, I was got a promotion. Okay. So I was out of my supervisor job. Now I've got a manager's job. Now I've got an, a, uh, another person comes in to take that role. And what I, what I failed to do was to recognize that she wasn't trained to work with people, despite the fact she came from another UPS location. So she came into from one leadership role, uh, supervisor's role into another one. And I didn't take the time to really get a feel for how well she leads people. And, you know, I'm in lead people. I mean, like, it's natural for me. Right. So when she came in, what happened was it didn't take long for this to bubble up. But um, what was happening is I would meet with her. We talk about what we were doing. That was all good. But when she went out to talk to the other ladies in the uh, in the group, uh, she she didn't give the message as if it was hers. And this is so important. It's so important that wherever you are in the organization, that whoever is reporting to you receives the message from you, not from the boss. So she was saying, Steve wants this. Steve wants this. And pretty soon, pretty soon, I became a dictator instead of a leader Right in their eyes. That's what they were hearing. Now, they knew that wasn't my nature, but it is the message that was coming out. Yeah. Oh, I heard through the grapevine, through uh, one of those uh, ladies that I had picked up a, a, um, a nickname. Uh-oh. Turner the Tyrant. <laughs> That's terrible. Now, but here's a, here's a, there's a good, good lesson in this. Yeah. So I heard that. I, I said, my answer, my response, because I actually got it through one of the other managers. Um, I said, uh, well, that's not my intent. And he said something very important to me. He said, it's not your intent that matters. It's what they perceive. Yeah, right. So it reinforces the fact perceptions reality until proven otherwise. Yeah. So we we have to prepare the folks who re- the people who report to us so that when they give the message to their people they're giving it as if it's their own because then right. they'll fall and it, I got you know I worked this thing out in about you know a couple of months but it wasn't a major yeah. deal but it's a tremendous lesson it really is yeah yeah and so okay so um, how does a company go about changing 
these dynamics? Like, like, you know, what should a company be doing? All right. There's, um, let me give you what tends to happen. And then I'll tell you the, 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 the better way. Okay. But what tends to happen when the 85% number comes out every year, um, you know, it drops into the ears of uh, CEOs, business owners, and they ask a question, is this happening to me? And uh, they say, okay, let's take a look at this. So they decide to have uh, a seminar or two to try to train the leadership people to know how to treat people. And um, I remember when it was empowerment. That was the buzzword of the season. And uh, <laughs> I actually went to a, this, I was, this happened at UPS. I went to a seminar, got all the really good stuff we needed to have, right? But yeah. you know, the, the word was never uttered again after the seminar. Oh. So when we have these, webinars or seminars at that that time um we come back into the status quo a lot of that stuff you hear on the outside you forget because that's that's not where you are you're back into where your work environment is and there's nothing that changes it okay that's what tends to happen yeah so the excitement over the idea it lasts for two months and then withers away and right. 10 months later the cycle starts over yeah what really has to happen is Business owners need to truly know the sentiment of their people. Too often, it's an assumption. Mm. Too often, um, let's put it this way. The business runs well on paper in year one. It runs well in year two. Year three comes. It's still running well. The 85% number comes out. Everything's been rolling good, they think, so far. And the natural assumption is, yeah, I'm good. I've had three good years. Everything's good. However, when you look at another statistic, you really find out how good you're not. And that is what's your turnover rate? Yeah. So in the United States, I'm going to come back and still answer your question, but I was going to tell you this. In the United States, turnover rate is an average of 9.3%. That's outlandish, to be honest. Because there, there is what I call good turnover, people that retire. Mm -hmm. uh, I also consider if somebody wants to better themselves and I don't have an opportunity in my business right. to let them better themselves and they choose to move on, that's okay. Yeah. Because they've been an ace while they were with me and I appreciate it. Right. Yeah. So um, when we're looking at the turnover rate, okay? If the only turnover you had was retirements and what I just described, people are bettering themselves. Right. You could have a turnover rate easily 4% or less. Okay. And I say that because if you if you took a look at um, the, the turnover rate for retirements, if somebody retires once every 45 years, that's basically a 2.2% 2, 2 turnover rate. If that's all anybody had to deal with, that'd be great. Right. But we're at 9.3%. That means like 4.5% of that number are people fleeing their managers. Wow. That's awful. Now, so when it gets to, I'm going to come back and answer your question. But this, the, the, this three-year illustration I was giving you where everything seems to be running well if they're running with a 9.3% turnover rate, they're spending probably twice as much as they should be on replacing people. Now, 
let's take that number. It's an average of $35,000 in round numbers to replace an employee across the board. That include, you know, that's all, all the different pieces that go into really replacing somebody. So based on an average of 35%, if you had an organization of a thousand people and you can do the math backwards as well, and you replace 93 people every year, that's $3.2 million of replacement costs. Wow. And, and I can guarantee you that at least half of it is, is a waste. So let's save the 1.6 million, half of it, and use it on something else. But if I've been running at the same turnover rate for all this time and I've adjusted my business, I've been hiring all these people, I think everything's rosy. Right. But it isn't. No. It can be better. Now to answer your question. The only way you get to the point of reducing your turnover rate significantly and um, getting and changing the 85% number is you have to have two things. First one is you need to know the sentiment of your people because to them, perception is reality until proven otherwise. Yeah. So even if they're wrong in their perception, it's real to them. So hmm. if companies did employee assessments and you have to do them like annually, okay. but if you do an assessment to get the f- true feel of who your people are, right? And the assessment is based on their responses. Okay. Now oh, you got that. And then you have to put a strategic plan together to, co- to move the number away from 85%. And what will happen is, when you look at the assessment, the message of the assessment is going to basically tell you immediate things you need to do. And if you've been in the employee leadership business as long as I've been in it, I can see other things as well because I've done a lot of it. But when you put the strategic plan together, then when you're in a you know a larger organization where you, you talk to a CEO and you tell him, you know, we talk about this topic that in their business. He's going to have a question. He's going to say, I've seen this stuff before. Where people go out, they do things, put band-aids on things, and it doesn't last long. Which is my original scenario of two months and then the thing cycles right. out. Right. We need to have in place reporting structures so that the CEO can monitor on, you know, quickly the status of his organization and where are they on these this handful of uh of statistics and you can do that we do that so that's what we do but um so you need to know the assessment of your people and you need an action plan the assessment with no plan doesn't move anything yeah but you can't do anything without the assessment you can try it it just won't last right right, right. So it's the assessment, an action plan, re- reporting uh, structures in place to, to monitor it going out, you know, into the future. And um, I'll give you one of the great tools of this: what? a skills inventory. Yeah, boy. A, a skills, and this is one of the greatest tools I've ever used. Now, keep in mind, I mean, I do this all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. but if you Take a snapshot of the skill set of your people. 
and I did this all the time, but I was in my own world because I did my own thing at 30 at UPS for 34 years. Hmm. So I was my own thing for all this time and I did all this stuff. But when you do a skills inventory inventory that says, these are my people and this is the things the, the group needs to accomplish, who knows how to do what? And when you put this together and you see that uh, employee number one has a certain skill set, employee number two, another skill set, and employee number three, the worst thing that can happen is that they're all silos and only one person knows anything. Right. So now you got to cross train to bring the flexibility into the into the group. And the way the skills inventory works is it's not a yes, no on whether somebody knows something. It's a quality of what they know. Either you're initially exposed, you can do the work, on a, you can do it well, or you're an expert. So you want to move people through their progressions as well. So the, all of this stuff comes down to this. Treating people as individuals, yeah. treating them as not only are they part of your business, but you are concerned for them as an individual as well. And I mentioned before that, I actually hadn't gotten into it yet. Anyway, when you hire people, yeah. employee retention begins on day one. Because when you bring somebody on, you, you the first thing you want to do is make sure they know where they fit in the team. They want to know where they are. They want to be in the team and what's my role. The next main thing, I'm giving you this in big chunks. Yeah. So they need to know where they fit as a team. They can do that on day one. And also on day one, that employee only knows two things. The name of the company and the job they were hired for. They don't know how to do the job. And they don't know anybody else there. I remember when I started at UPS, I walked into this big room. There was this big sign, United Parcel Service, on the wall and me. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> right? So anyway, so you bring the person in and you explain where they fit within the team. The next step is you get them trained to do their job as well as possible. And you do that over, you don't do it in three days. You do it over, you know, training, retraining, uh, examples, follow-up, and all that kind of stuff. When you get to the point that the employee is well-trained and they're comfortable in their ability to do their job, they then have an opportunity to flow into the next phase, which is being confident enough to being able to say, I can do more here. I can do bigger jobs here. Once the employee gets to that point, now they've got a longer view. They're not only looking at what they're doing on a day-to-day basis, but they're thinking about, gee, what could I do in the mm-hmm. future? Now, as the business leader, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feed into that. So after the employee is initially trained, I'm going to sit down with them and I'm going to say, you know, you're doing great, da 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 What would you like to do in three years? The minute... You ask that question, the employee knows that you care about them more than their current job Yeah, because you're asking about their future. Right. And then based on what they say, you just keep going with the conversation. Um, and then that takes you three through three important cycles in an employee's development. Now, another thing that happens after they're fully trained, we have this concept 
we have this um, practice of uh, reviews. Ugh. And I'll tell you, one of the most detested events in an employee's <laughs> life is the annual review. Absolutely. Because it's just a check mark off a sheet. Yeah. As opposed to doing it this way. So I say to you, Diane, um, why don't we, what would you like to do in three, you know, three years? What would you like to be down the road? What's your vision? What do you, what would you like? And, she, and you know, you give an answer. Yeah. I said, okay, um, let's take a look at this and that, da, 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 and let's get together in three months and see where we're, where, where we are on this. Right. And if you wanted to go out and get involved in another area of UPS, if that happened to be the case, then I would somehow get you at least introduced into what it is. Okay. Three months later, come back. How are we doing? We're doing well. Okay. So then I say with the next round of the conversation, uh, let's now let's take it to this level. Are you okay with that? Yes, you say. And we go on to another cycle. Let's say maybe it's four months later. But you have employee reviews based on what's needed for the employee, not based on a calendar. Yeah. But never go beyond six months. Yeah. It's too long. I know. I, I think that is huge. I think that is really, um, and everyone will tell you that if you ask, yeah. right? I mean, they're, they're sort yeah. of pointless. I mean, that's sort of pointless. I'm yeah. totally pointless, but now yeah. the point I'm making is that my, my retaining you in this particular case started on your day one, right? Because my view is you're going to be around forever. Yeah. So I want to make, Make sure that you can be as successful as possible. Richard Branson made a comment. I'd like to say I said it, but I can't. <laughs> he said this, train people well enough to be able to leave, but treat them well enough so they don't want to. Right. And that is really yes. true. Yes. And then people will realize you, can, you care about them more as much as an individual person as an employee in your business, they will follow you. Well, because you're bonus, looking, at, you're looking. Yeah, yeah. The bonus is that um, then other people find out about it, and then they want to work there. So you're not one of the companies with a shortage. That's another. You just that. That's a very important piece, and uh, it's another reality. Oh, by the way, I want to go back to this just for a second. Remember I, I met, when I talked about um, resignation rates and yes. 1.6 million in my 1,000 employee example? Okay. Do you know that the minute, the minute the employees get the feel that the management team now is watching out for them as individuals instead of uh, just employees, that resignation rate will drop immediately. It's not, it won't be dragged out because those people that were like, not on their, not in a good spot. Didn't like what they were doing, and they weren't treated right. All of a sudden, you start treating them right. They're going to wonder, "Wow, this is new here." Right. So those that were thinking of bailing will probably hold on for a while longer, and that means the resignation rate drops immediately, and the CEO can see the result. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's an attention getter, right? Because he saved all the money. Right, exactly. Yeah. 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 Ends up always goes back to the bottom line. So, yeah. So, uh, 
what was I going to comment on? You made a comment and then I interrupted uh, my answer. I made the comment that um, people then want to work there. So you. Yes. Oh, yeah. The next one. Right now, our the unemployment rate in the United States is 3.5%. Right. 4% is considered full employment. Yeah. That means the ability to replace people is difficult. Yes. So the best solution for that, don't, don't lose, lose them, them in the first place. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, simple. Yep. Simple. Yeah. We think it's simple. Well, Steve, yeah. I, I appreciate yeah. this information. I think it's really valuable for the listeners. So um, thank you so much for joining me. Will you tell the listeners how they can find you? Yes, you can find us at um, our website is www.flow-business-solution.com. Um, my email ID is steve at flow-business-solution.com. Our office phone number is 267-753-5568. Excellent. That's 267-753-5568. And reach out. You can get you can find me through the website or you can find me through those two others. I'm also at LinkedIn at LinkedIn forward slash SW Turner. There's lots of Steve Turners out there. Make sure you yeah, find the right that. one. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change Podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.